Hey everyone, this is Michael. Thanks for tuning in. I know you could be listening to anything right now and you're listening to Elevate Retake. I think this episode might be one of our best because the mission of this podcast is to bring you to a closer relationship with God. And we want the conversation to continue even after you listen to this podcast. This episode is us living that mission by having a listener join in on the conversation of Elevate Retake, retaking the message with us. Today in our podcast, joining Taylor and I is Isaac Chang, and here's a little bit about him. Okay, well, I am Isaac Chang, and um, I'm an old friend uh, from high school with uh, Taylor. I'm majoring in civil engineering over at uh, Texas A&M, and I'm here on break right now. Uh, and I just so happened to uh, go to church during your sermon on the first three chapters of Hosea. Loved him so much, and I'm just really excited to talk about So I hope you enjoy our conversation today. And to begin, as always, I asked Taylor and Isaac what they got out of the message. Right off the bat, um, I really appreciated the title mm-hmm. of Gods and Raisin Cakes because it got my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after we had covered that last um, part, right, in chapter three, when mm-hmm. it just ends off on the, on the raisin cakes for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was in chapter three or two, but I just remember distinctly he's saying him like uh, it was it was just written in there raisin cakes out of nowhere. Yeah. So the big question like in my mind immediately was what's that all about? Mm-hmm. Raisin cakes. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was so enthralled with just like, ooh, we're actually talking about love. And, you know, I was like kind of like the girly like, oh, this is going to be romance, which it definitely isn't exactly what you're expecting. But I was super excited because um <clears throat> I know I already talked to you, Michael, about uh, one of my favorite books, Redeeming Love. I don't know if you've read that, but it's like a retelling of Hosea. So I had read that and I've also read Hosea, but it just got me super excited for others to be able to see because like that book made me super on fire for Jesus. And so Uh like, oh, we're going to talk about love, but not what you think love means. I got like super duper excited. (laughs) You know what I... um even before I had even thought about being on the show, I just opened my notes after everything was done uh-huh. and I just wrote um, one sentence, right? So I titled mm-hmm. it Love uh-huh. and then underneath it was just frightening and senseless. Wow. Because at the end of it, I was so uh, burdened, right? Mm-hmm. By the weight of God's faithfulness, right? Mm-hmm. The weight of his covenant love that I was actually finding myself scared. It's it's really tough to explain. Um, it's like almost this eldritch kind of uh, primordial, mm-hmm. eternal love that is beyond my conception. Yeah. yeah, and I think I get to that point because the language in Hosea is so harsh, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, every single word is like refined down to the point, and it just cuts. Yeah, especially these moments when. For sure especially these moments when God is like, oh, like Gomer's daughter, right? She's named not loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of their names were like awful to me. <laughs> and oh, I was it's like, really bad. That's so sad. I just get twisted, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like give me a break. Yeah. The God of love naming someone yeah. not loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might as, he might as well just be like, I, you simply do not exist. Yeah. How can the God of love tell anybody that they're not loved? And so, that hits so hard and then you get this like the book of hosea is a very interesting book 
because there seems to be these two different sides of God. One side of God that we would fall in love with and another side of God that we would be afraid of. But I don't think that we should often or always dichotomize love and fear. It's more of an observation because when we're in right relationship with God, there's nothing to fear. But when we're outside of a right relationship with God, that's when fear kicks in. So God's response to us maybe necessarily hasn't changed. It's our position to him and his love towards us when we are outside of right relationship is expressed in judgment. But the beautiful thing about it is that every time the story ends, we come back to God. God loves us no matter what. God throughout all of Hosea's seems kind of bipolar. <laughs> Almost, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like coming at you extremely challenging language, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, the the pinnacle of which is when he's like, I'm just not going to love you. In the, in the next page, you see him saying like, how can I give you up? Mm -hmm. Like, how can I actually like mm -hmm. not love you? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's confusing. But then when you realize that, when you realize the complex emotion that God is showing here, because he's not just kind of this God far off, mm -hmm. not this kind of God that we cannot completely relate to. Mm -hmm. He has um, a right to be angry. Yes, very much he so. He also loves us so much to where he's like twisted up inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that just made me realize that Hosea has so much to offer in terms of God's character, the inside workings of God, right? Mm -hmm. the, the inner like push and pull from his extreme hatred of sin, mm -hmm. hatred of what's going on with his beloved creation and also his love, yeah. right? Yeah. For his beloved creation and his understanding yeah. of his creation. Yeah. That's in Hosea 11 verse eight. How can I give you up? How can I surrender you? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. Yeah. That's fierce language. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just keeps going, right? I will, but but even still, if you just look at eleven nine, right? Mm -hmm. I will not execute my burning anger. Um, I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. I think I wrote that one down specifically too because he's mm -hmm. like, I will not act on my anger because I am God, mm -hmm. not a man. Yeah. If I were a man. Forget then I'd act on it, yeah. <laughs> but it's so interesting too because I, you get this kind of like foreshadowing. It's like I'm God, not a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I I immediately think of Jesus. Yes. Right. Yeah. Who Merciful. is man and God, mm -hmm. the true man, right? Yeah. So wow, <laughs> every every single line I feel like in some way ties back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's like foreshadowing mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. um, the grace of Jesus and what Jesus does uh, kind of brings me into like one of the questions that I had after, which uh -huh. was whether you thought, and I always usually ask this question, um, is Hosea acting as some kind of a foreshadowing to the Messiah, like a messianic figure mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. when God is asking him to go to Gomer mm -hmm. and uh, take her back as uh, his wife? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, just the, the term Messiah, meaning someone sent to save, 
runs throughout all of the Jewish literature and all throughout the Old Testament, um, describing God's acts mm-hmm. of love towards his people. And in this instance, God is sending Hosea as an illustration of that redeeming love, of that messianic role. Um, and I think that totally foreshadows what Jesus did because he's coming to, Jesus himself is coming to the world mankind that has decided to turn away from God and be not God's people to be not Mm -hmm. loved, turn away from that compassion. And Jesus comes back to those people to redeem them to to us, to redeem us, to call us his people and to call us loved. Actually thinking about Hosea for a second, not just being like, oh, this is like a great story to remember. I really thought about, okay, if Hosea is like a direct representation or illustration of Israel, how must he feel or how must he have felt Mm -hmm. to feel like he doesn't have control? Like he just has to do whatever God says, which I mean is there's a huge blessing to that. Like I'm going to be used by God, but God said, you're going to go marry a prostitute. I don't really care what you believe or what you think. Like, you're going to do that and you're going to love her. And it's kind of like, okay, that's almost like an arranged marriage. Like, he had Mm -hmm. no choice. He had, but you don't hear anything about him complaining. He just did it. And because he's like, okay, cool, I'm going to be used by God. Mm -hmm. And he went through so much. I mean, I can't even imagine the pain of his wife leaving him and being with others. Mm -hmm. Like, the type of emotional turmoil that must have caused and yet he still showed God's love Mm -hmm. which is God showing that he's still going to be there for the Israelites but that's what that's what really stuck out to me is I was like I can't imagine what Hosea went through and how awful that would have been he definitely is carrying the torch right yeah of the of the servant of God who Mm -hmm. is just put under immense uh pressure yeah right it's just such a it's such a terrifying thing right yeah because i was always absolutely like terrified that god was going to choose me to do something because i know (laughs) right just from reading i know if god chooses often we've got to face the music right that there are ups and downs in life but i think the key thing to remember is that just because something bad happens to us doesn't mean that god is angry with us there's just circumstances in life that are sometimes beyond our control There's this idea that there's this great cosmic conflict going on behind the scenes where love and evil are fighting and God's character is on display. I think the real question is, is what do we do with those ups and downs? Just from reading, I know if God chooses me to do something, oh, I get the worst. (laughs) I could just get the worst of everything, right? (laughs) But like now that I'm older, I understand like it's not really the worst. Mm -hmm. If I'm if I'm really, you know, in the space where I'm with God, loving God, um, what other people see as something that's difficult is actually Mm -hmm. my joy. Mm. Um, I would at least like to think that (laughs) Hosea had some joy in fulfilling what God wanted. But even if it I brought pain, I don't even know because when when I'm reading this, it just seems so unlikely. Yeah, right? yeah. There had to be some kind of pain within pain, Hosea. resentment. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, that just stuck out to me. At the same time, though, Hosea had to have loved Gomer, like really oh, yeah. loved, mm-hmm. because God loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting to look at all throughout Hosea and ask yourself and ask yourself the question: Is it God speaking mm-hmm. or is it Hosea? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
And in particularly in chapter two, there's some scholarship debate about mm -hmm. whether it's Hosea speaking or God speaking. And there's also some debate as to whether um, Hosea as a real person existed or if this is just oh, yeah. a, a fable or a, a tale. Um, there's not a whole lot to support that mm -hmm. yeah. simply because you look at how verse one pans out and it's mm -hmm. just, it's very cut and dry. And why would Hosea not be a real person? Yeah. Right. right. And I think God definitely gave him the ability to love his wife mm -hmm. in incredible ways, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. beyond anything that I can imagine. It's a, it's a love that I aspire to have. Yeah. That I see modeled <laughs> for me in God. And I hope between Melissa and I, my wife, that I can uh, model that love for her. Mm -hmm. uh, but to see ho to, to, to see kind of how the book of Hosea itself makes it a little bit ambiguous as to who's talking. And Hosea and God's voice seem to overlap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that to me tells me that there's something supernatural going on that, yeah, God called Hosea to something incredibly difficult but he empowered Hosea to do what he called him to do. So like, for instance, when you're, when you're um, preaching a sermon, right. And you're giving a message and, and I come to you and I <laughs> congratulate you because it really touched me. It's, and then, and then, and then you say, oh, praise God. Right. Because yeah. of course that's the word of God through you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in the same way, it's also completely you. Yeah. It's completely yeah. you and it's completely God. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of what's happening here. It's completely Hosea. Oh, I like that. Hosea. It's like completely Hosea's life, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's going on in his mm -hmm. like whole deal, uh, this mess that he's in. But it's also a perfect mirror and completely God working through this whole thing, right? Yeah. If, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So at the end of the, at the, end of the book, right, you, we get this like little part where this outside voice all of a sudden is saying the words of Hosea are true. Absolutely. Or something mm -hmm. like that. I'm mm -hmm. paraphrasing, but In verse uh, nine of chapter 14. Yeah. Whoever is wise, let them, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them for the ways of the Lord are right and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. First of all, I think that's amazing because he, I feel like he's really sympathizing with the reader. He's like, Listen, reader, I understand that you've gone through some hell right now. <laughs> just yeah. like re reading this like incredibly potent language, cutting you right to the core mm -hmm. and then uh, bringing you right back with grace. Yeah. But then next chapter, he's bringing you back into the fire. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And I feel like he's really sympathizing with us. But also it kind of like it kind of brings you back out to see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, am I mistaken in saying that Hosea was like put together in the Babylonian exile? Yes, it was during the Babylonian, part of the Babylonian exile. Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking is, right, so he's putting together these um, poems uh -huh. that Hosea wrote. Uh, just an idea, right? Mm -hmm. Hosea is going through this grief with his wife, right? Mm -hmm. And he's dealing with this struggle. And he's writing this poetry. This writer is also seeing this, right? And he's saying, this is God right here, too. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying... Let him understand. And then maybe that's why it's so confusing, right? Because Hosea in this like uh, state of pure emotion mm -hmm. from his wife speaks as though he's yeah. God. And that's where mm -hmm. you get this kind of confusion. Mm -hmm. I, that's just and like, like the back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why I was like, I was just thinking that because I was dealing with um, some, I was struggling with that because yeah. second time, third time reading, mm -hmm. I still can't understand whether it's God, whether it's Hosea. <laughs> 
There's one thing I want to point out, and I don't have it. It's in the uh, verse 2 in the New Living Translation of chapter 1. It says, this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea begins with the premise that he's loving a wife of prostitution to illustrate mm-hmm. yes. how Israel has been a prostitute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if we look down at chapter 3 in verse 1. Uh, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits idolatry with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Yeah. And so we're again back to that two-sided coin and that is it God talking, is it Hosea talking, Mm -hmm. all this. It Mm -hmm. begins with the premise of this is illustrating. God is trying to make an illustration out of Israel of their prostitution. And then I think in some ways God realizes what he's doing. And he says, wait, hold on. This is to illustrate my love. Yeah. And that blew my mind. I didn't have time to unpack that in the, mm-hmm. in the message, but seeing that kind of the, the bookends that mm-hmm. it starts in one way and ends in another says both are true. And I think one rings especially true in the redeeming love of God. I did have a question. Um, Michael, I know that you talked about, um, I don't remember your exact words, but you talked about the in-between. There's a work to be done in the in-between. God says, I've got to do some stuff here. And it's unfortunate for Hosea because his life is the outworking of God loving his people. Or maybe I should say it's fortunate because Hosea gets to live the love that God is. Not that God is saying he's not with us right now, because I feel like he's with us now more than ever in the pandemic. But just how the world has been over the past year, I was like, I feel like this is the in-between, like get your stuff together and Jesus is coming soon. And I don't know, that really hit me. I was like, oh. In the the poetry, it's keep, Mm -hmm. it keeps referring to, oh, but in the future, I will take you back. Yes. In the future, I will forgive you. And it's like, okay, but what happens until then? That's the Mm in-between. For me, when I was, um, at that point, mm-hmm. and while I was reading also, I was thinking, well, this is before Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that that point of forgiveness, that point of being brought back was um, the cross. Oh. That's just to me, oh, right? Because cool. there was mm-hmm. this, imagine this in between, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine between at least Hosea, for instance, and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this period where Hosea, and like he's he knows it too. He's just like, listen, we can't get it right. Israel just mm-hmm. cannot get it right. Judah mm-hmm. cannot get it right. If only God would just do it himself. Yeah. If only God would yeah. become the perfect one to like save us. If only yeah. he would be our king. Um, I think that's the I see that exactly yearning, what you're talking yeah, about. That yeah. yearning, that longing for God mm-hmm. to step down into creation and, and yeah. do it himself. Yeah. So are you saying that this is like foreshadowing? I think it's all foreshadowing. Oh, I love that. It's just never. I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it just never sh- uh, stops. Yeah. It always uh, is looking forward into, well, because like, first of all, it addresses you in the present, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you are pitiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, how can I give you up? Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. I, how can I give you up? I'm not a man. I'm God, mm-hmm. right? Oh, well, if only God was a man, mm-hmm. if only you were a man, come yeah. down here, right? Maybe you could yeah. change this. If yeah. only man were like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
in a lot of ways, I think right now in the time that we live in, we're in this in-between. We know and understand what God has done for us. We understand our sinful nature, but the complete restoration of our relationship with God has not come to fruition. And so what do we do in the in-between? While there's still hope, while we're still working out our right relationship with God, how do we lean into this moment? I'm always confused about where I am in the mid in the mix right oh this, yeah this in between stuff mm -hmm. i suppose it could be so that we're always in some sort of in between right yeah. that would make so, sense like uh people living before the flood they're in between yeah. fall and flood and mm -hmm. after flood they're in between flood and formation of israel mm -hmm. and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff and there's always like waiting yeah. and wanting uh the bigger picture i would say is fall to cross right mm -hmm. that that big in between mm -hmm. but where are we right now so mm -hmm. I actually have written in a note in my personal Bible that mm -hmm. says, in the midst of judgment, there is still hope. And mm -hmm. so kind of in the in, the, I think what I intended by that was the in-between of the judgment that God brings. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we think of it as a punctiliar thing. And it's just like, oh, that happens. That separates me from God. I can't go back. Mm -hmm. When God, you think about the, this chapter goes very quickly, but there's at least nine months between each child. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. by bio, biology, yeah. right? So you're looking at at least two years of time mm -hmm. yes. that God is saying this. And so the first couple, when, when Jezreel is born, there's nine months focused on Jezreel. Mm -hmm. And then when the daughter is born, uh, there's nine months on her. And then the third son, there's nine months on him at least, right? And then kind of in between. So in between all of that, God's bringing judgment, but it's not as if that judgment is finished and completed. And so mm -hmm. almost in a sense, God's judgment is an awareness of our sin. Uh, I was reading uh, this morning in the book Steps to Christ by Ellen White, and she talks about how as we get to know Jesus more, we get to further understand our own sin. And the more yeah. we see Jesus, the more real we realize our sinfulness. Yeah. And I think seeing Jesus in a way is judgment, not of ourselves, but of our of our sinful nature. So if I'm correct, what you're saying is, our in-between right now is understanding God, understanding Jesus, mm -hmm. that we might understand ourselves in the position that mm -hmm. we were saved from mm -hmm. yeah. and understanding the extent of his love yeah. and the extent of his grace. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Because righteousness simply means right relationship. Uh -huh. That's all righteousness means. So we can have righteousness here on this earth now mm -hmm. when we are in right relationship with God. Right. And all of our lives is a drawing closer or a movement away from right relationship. Mm -hmm. And do we, is it right meaning 100% perfection? No, mm -hmm. but there's growth. There's, yeah. we, we move from, from here to there in this linear kind of storyline fashion. Mm -hmm. I love what you said about um, the more that you know Jesus, the more you understand your own position mm -hmm. in, in the sense that um, you are, <clears throat> you're a mess <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yep. But I mean, even now talking about that in my mind, it's like, remember the amazing thing that Christ has your sin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even when you say, even when we say, you know, we're, we're uh, a mess. Mm -hmm. We're also not a mess because Christ has taken that from mm -hmm. us. But we also, it's that weird in between again. Yeah. But also <laughs> what you're saying is like, 
the closer you get to Jesus, the more you understand your sin. And I, I guess, I guess nowadays, right, we can see ourselves as pretty, you know, put together for the yeah. most part. Uh, and I think most people would kind of, at, at least in this country, at least, you know, in like really developed places, mm-hmm. most people would think of themselves as good people, right? Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not out there killing people like on the street, like waiting yeah, yeah. for someone to go by, <laughs> ready to like rob and murder them. We're not going around doing these like re- things that we would see as like super egregious. Heinous acts of crime. Right. Yeah. And so when you're reading this, it's easy to, it's easy to forget that you are <laughs> Israel. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's talking to you <laughs> yeah, yeah. specifically, like calling you out. You think we would love to think that we're Judah when mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, Israel does not get my love. It does not get my forgiveness. Judah, I can, I'll stay with right now. You mm-hmm. guys are all right. It's easy to like kind of get to the point where like, oh, that's me. I'm Judah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're Ephraim. <laughs> you're yeah. you're Israel. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you understand we are, you know, the pinnacle of layers and layers and layers of sin and mistakes. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's the web that is that if we could see the web, right, the mm-hmm. true web of our sin, it would just be mm-hmm. mortifying. Awful. Yeah. How <laughs> how um, in the mud we are. Yeah. so to speak. So that's what's so amazing about that, even in that state, right? Because God can see the web. Mm-hmm. God can see the true extent of our sin, right? And how how horrible is it when we do think we're Judah and we can't even see the web of the sin and God can see the web of the sin. And he's like, oh, yeah. oh you don't think, mm-hmm. you don't understand, mm-hmm. right? You are Israel. But even still, he's like, how can I give you up? Yeah. Yeah. Even still, he's like, you will be reconciled to me. Yeah. And you will be reunited with Judah under one king. And uh, yeah. that's absolutely incredible. And that's why I, I wrote down frightening and senseless, right? Because mm-hmm. he's God after all, not a man. Yeah. I'm a man. And to me, right, imagine there's someone that, like you've only shown love and goodness to someone and all they return to you is heartbreak. That's Just awful. continual, continual heartbreak. You continue yeah. to pour yourself out to this person mm-hmm. that you love dearly, desperately. Mm-hmm. And they continue to not only disappoint you. It's not enough, right? They they don't just disappoint you. They take the knife, they stab you, and they turn it, right? Mm-hmm. They make it hurt. Mm-hmm. And still in that, you love them. That's incredible. Yeah. So a question that pops into my mind, uh, and I actually, I debated uh, before preaching the sermon whether to share the story or not. I shared the story at the end of um, Jackie Hill Perry from the book, Gay Girl, Good God. Yes. And yeah. um, the question that jumps into my mind, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to speak specifically to how the church has dealt with homosexuality, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but how the church has dealt with, quote unquote, outsiders. Yes. Yeah. How does our understanding of Hosea influence how we treat other people? Or mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. our look at the love of God in Hosea, yeah. How should that change how we love other people? Absolutely. I love that because I think it just shows, I think the book just shows that no matter what path you decide to take, like it's kind of one of those things, like I've thought about this as we've been talking about it. I don't know if you've ever heard like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. And I feel like that's kind of like what God was during this. It's like, I love you so much, but man, you're messing up right now and I don't like it. And he's willing to call us out on that. And so I just feel like... I like how Taylor pointed this out. Does God feel that way towards us? That he always loves us, right? But are there times that he doesn't necessarily like us? 
I think, you know, if you're in a, uh, if you have a significant other or you're in a marriage relationship, there are times that you love your spouse 100%, but you may not like them, right? I know there's times I 100% know that my wife loves me, but I can tell there's some times that I'm probably a little bit more annoying than I need to be. And uh, I can tell she doesn't like me. And to think that God loves us 100% unconditionally, but there's times that he's very, very frustrated with our sin-filled nature. So that makes me stop and think, what does that love from God look like? But that kind of brings me to my favorite part about it, which was chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And it says, I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers, but forgot all about me, says the Lord. And then verse 14, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. So what stood out to me was, but forgot all about me. So it's so easy for us to forget about God. And like this spoke to Mm -hmm. me because I get so caught up in worldly things and forget about how off, like how awful the things are that I'm doing and I forget about him, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter how far I've gone. Yeah. He will lead me to the desert. He will lead me back to him and he will spend that time with me, making me understand how much he loves me so that I can go and show that love to others. And I really loved that. Yeah. And you come back to the, the big idea, which I was hitting on through the whole sermon. When you see what love does, you can know who love is, yes, right? I love For, that. If we read through Isaiah, and just ask the question, okay, who is God? Mm-hmm. We come mm-hmm. up with a judgmental person, mm-hmm. uh, who, yeah. a person who's <laughs> judging that ultimately wants to redeem his people, mm-hmm. right? So we come from that premise and say, okay, therefore I can judge other people mm-hmm. in order to bring them back. Mm. No. But when we look at what love does, and I like how right. you pointed out, Taylor, mm-hmm. love in verse 14 of chapter two allures her, yeah. draws her back, mm-hmm. wins her back. Yeah. And that tells us who love is, that love is not just judgment towards someone Mm -hmm. in order to bring them back into a relationship, Mm -hmm. but the burden is now on me to love that other person Mm -hmm. and to win them back and to point them back towards Jesus. Like imagine meeting someone for the first time. They probably left the church or they've never been to the church. It would be really difficult showing um, just what everything is about with Hosea because I can imagine them getting really hung up on the anger the wrath the rage that god is presenting that's all that they can see that's all they can see and especially if they have not yet met jesus they don't Mm -hmm. know their own disposition to sin it's going to be really hard for them to understand why that all that anger Mm -hmm. especially they don't know the whole story behind hosea and after hosea right Mm -hmm. i know i'm still figuring a lot of this out I can see the incredible, extreme love of God that comes down from above. But I know that doesn't always translate towards love to my neighbor or to somebody who comes in contact with me on a regular basis. And so how do I take the love that God gives towards me that's unconditional and then extend that to my neighbor unconditionally? And I think the things in this world that make us uncomfortable, people's identities, how they choose to live, it can be difficult when we don't understand who they are. But I know that I've found in my life that when I come into a closer relationship with somebody else, it makes it easier 
for me to love them because it's hard to hate someone when you're close to them in proximity. And so the people that are a little bit different than us, that see things a little bit different in our lives, maybe we should step a little bit closer to them in relationship and we'll find a love awakening in our heart. I think that's what God asked Hosea to do. Even when his wife was unfaithful to him, when Gomer ran away and uh, had relationships with other men, God said, I need you to run back towards her. He didn't ask Gomer to go back to Hosea. He says, Hosea, I need you to go run her down. I think in the same way, in our own relationships with the people around us, we should run towards them instead of away from them. And we'll find a love awakened in our hearts. And that was the conclusion of our conversation. I'm blown away. Well, here's the thing. I really sometimes wish that I could have these conversations before I preach the sermon because they would add such a richness to what I preach. But it's so fulfilling to hear afterwards that some thoughts and uh, the words that I shared with someone made an impact. And I think that it's the Holy Spirit that does that. I'd say it's not me, that's for sure. And I hope that this conversation has blessed your life as well. If it has, thanks for sharing it with someone that you love. And I hope that the God of Hosea and the love that you've seen from this particular passage of scripture will overflow into your life. Thanks for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at, at this is Elevate TX or at Elevate Retake. We'd love for you to connect with us there. And if you'd like to leave us a voice message, let us give us a comment, a question, anything like that, go ahead and click the link in the description. Other than that, we'll catch you on the next episode.